You have gifts and abilities that God wants to release. Where this church can make a powerful difference in the community. This is Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. Today's message, The Blessing of Uncertainty. Enjoy, and remember you can always catch up with past messages and stay up to date with Hope Lives 365 and Pastor Mark by going to hopelives365.com. And now, Pastor Mark Finley. So at one time, Pastor Kulikov's father was in prison, he was in prison, his brother was in prison, and his mother would try to provide little foodstuffs for them. Pastor Kulikov wanted a Bible. He told me he wanted it desperately. And his mother tried to smuggle a Bible into the prison. And at that time, the relatives of the prisoners could give them food. And she sent him, they could do a little cooking. They had a little place in the prison, a little fire they could cook on. And so if they got flour and eggs, they could make a few things. So she took some soft-boiled eggs and put them all on the top of this parcel and then she had flour in it and in this package like five pound package of flour there was a smaller bible that was hidden in a plastic bag it was an older bible when the censor got it they were going through these parcels and when the censor got it the censor pulled the parcel out saw that it was a bible and he took it in his hands and he threw the Bible down. He was so angry. And they were outside, and the Bible hit a step, and the spine of the Bible cracked. And it was an old Bible, and the wind was blowing, and the pages began to blow everywhere. And so the censor now got real nervous in this communist mind and he began running after and picking them up. While he was picking them up, Pastor Kulikov got one page, and he stuck it in his pocket. And he said to me, Mark... I read that page for years, again and again and again and again. Now, what would your question be if he told you? What would it be? What page was it? I'll read you. the. And it wasn't even a complete page. It was a scrap of a page. Take your Bible and turn to Romans 8. And Pastor Kulikov said, this sustained me. This sustained me. This this sustained me through the entire time that I was in prison. He said, I would read Romans 8, verse 31 to 37, over and over and over and over again. Romans 8, 31 to 37. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And Pastor Kulikov said, I'd read that. If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm in this dark, filthy, damp, dirty dungeon. But God is for me. He sits upon his throne. He is sovereign. He can sustain me in my darkest night. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? I am charged by man. I'm sitting in this prison, but it's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Pastor Kulikov said, I might be in a dark, damp dungeon. I may be separated from family and friends, 
But Jesus is on his throne. Amen. He is in the heavenly temple. He is making intercession for me. He's strengthening me. He's guiding me. He is there for me. Then he read. He said, these next verses brought tears to his eyes in that prison. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we're killed all day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, in the uncertain times of life, in the unstable times of life, the economy may be uncertain. Our health may be uncertain. The political future of America may be uncertain. In all these things, in all the uncertainty, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Because Jesus is where? On his throne. That's the great theme of the book of Revelation. And Pastor Kulikov said, you know, Mark, as I read that passage in Romans, I just kept saying to myself, in Christ, we are more than conquerors. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. The book of Revelation presents a people in the last days of Earth's history. Church and state will unite. There'll be an economic boycott. There'll eventually be a death decree. God's people will be oppressed. They will be persecuted. But they will not be on their own. Amen. God is there guiding, strengthening, giving them hope, giving them security. In fact, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 17, you know, I'm reminded of that amazing story told by Pastor Vernon Grounds. He tells about the time that he was a seminary student. And the seminary students in that particular seminary didn't, you're turning to Revelation 17, seminary students didn't have a gymnasium, so they'd go to a public school and they'd play basketball. And then they'd sit around and talk about theology and debate theology after they shot baskets. One day, Pastor Vernon Grounds, eminent scholar today, noted that there was an old, old, old janitor sitting on a bench by the basketball court. And as that old janitor was sitting there, he was reading the Bible. And so these young theologians thought, we'll go over and talk to him a little bit. So they came over and said, what are you reading, sir? And the old janitor said, the book of Revelation. And they thought, aha, book of Revelation? Well, you probably don't understand all those symbols, do you? You probably, well, what are you reading about? And the old man said, oh, I understand it. Well, I grasp everything. And they said, well, what do you know about Revelation? And the old man said, I know one thing. Jesus is going to win. And that's all you got to know. <laughs> Jesus is going to win. Take your Bible, Revelation, the 17th chapter. Here we go. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and what? King, King of kings. And those that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. The Christ who sits upon his throne, that Jesus is ultimately going to win. The Lamb will overcome them. You and I are on the winning side. If you look at a dragon about ready to approach a lamb, who does it appear will win, the dragon or the lamb? The dragon. The dragon. But in this battle, who's going to win? 
Jesus the Lamb. Now go back to Isaiah. Keep your finger in Revelation because we're there at Revelation 18. But go back to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah sees Jesus on his throne. Isaiah knows he's on the winning side. He sees beings around the throne singing holy, holy, holy. Verse 3. And Isaiah says that these beings say, say holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. In the final analysis... Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. Revelation 18, verse 1. Church and state will unite. The God who is on his throne will pour out his spirit mightily upon this earth. The message of Jesus will go forth to the ends of the earth. And look at Revelation 18, 1. Exact parallel of Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3. After these things, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having great authority or power, and the earth was illuminated with his what? Glory. Glory. Why is uncertainty a blessing? Because in times of uncertainty, we look to God's throne, we receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit from the throne of God, we sense that the God who is on his throne will pour out his spirit on unworthy human beings and empower us to share his last day message with the ends of the earth, and once again the earth will be filled with the glory of God. Amen. We are on the winning side. God's word is going to go forth powerfully at the time of the end. Every nation, kindred, tongue, and people will have an opportunity, a reasonable opportunity to know God's love, to understand God's will, and to respond to his message. In the light of a God that was on his throne, in the light of the glory that was filling the temple, go back to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. Isaiah sees the glory of God. Isaiah sees the purity of God. Isaiah sees the righteousness of God. And what does Isaiah say? Verse 5. Then I said, woe is me for I'm undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we enter into the very presence of God. And kneel before him. And sense that God is on his throne. And we sense the holiness of God. We say, God, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. I'm unrighteous. Seeing his righteousness, we recognize our unrighteousness. Seeing his purity, we recognize our unholiness, our impurity. Seeing his holiness, we are unholy. Seeing his goodness, we recognize our filth. This is called repentance. Laodicea's greatest need. In the light of the glory of God in the sanctuary, the more we see our own needs, the more we see our own humanness, the more we see our own pride, the more we see our own greed, our own lust, our own impatience, our own selfishness. And kneeling before God in the light of heaven's sanctuary, something amazing happens. Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Now two things happen. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Now notice a live coal from the altar. How many altars were there in the sanctuary? How many? 
We'll be right back with Pastor Mark Finley. We thank you for listening and hope you're enjoying today's message. Our mission is to attractively present the Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in a practical, relevant way to people around the world so that they may experience the abundant life that Christ offers and effectively share with confidence His life-changing truths with others. You can support this ministry and help us reach even more by going to hopelives365.com slash donate. And now, back to Pastor Mark Finley. How many altars were there in the sanctuary? How many? Two. There was the altar in the court upon which the the sacrifice was offered. Was this the altar in the court? Not, couldn't be the altar in the court because heaven's sanctuary has a temple with two apartments, the holy place and the most holy. Jesus was sacrificed on the cross of this world in the court of this world, on that altar. So this must be the altar of incense, right? A live coal is taking off from the altar of incense. What do you know about the altar of incense? The sacrifices that were sacrificed in the court, blood was brought into the altar of incense and placed on the horns of that altar and sprinkled before the veil between the holy place and the most holy place. So this is a bloody altar. When you think of the coal, you think of two symbols. You think of blood and you think of fire. Blood and fire. When Isaiah is touched, he is forgiven by the redemptive power of Jesus Christ who dies on the cross, the blood of Christ. But the fire from the altar represents the Holy Spirit, the purifying power of the Holy Spirit that transforms his life. Do you remember that old song? It goes like this, rock of ages, what? Cleft for me, let me do what? Hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood be of sin, the what cure? What cure? Double cure. Why double cure? Save me from its wrath and make me pure. The wrath of God is his judgment upon sin. How are we saved from God's wrath? Coming to the cross, the righteousness of Christ covers us. It covers our sinfulness. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. But Jesus wants to do more than cover our sin, doesn't he? We come to Christ just as we are, but through his Holy Spirit, our lives are transformed. So the coal coming from the altar is a bloody coal that's on fire. It represents the double cleansing that Christ wants to do in your life and mine. Now follow me closely. Isaiah, a time of uncertainty. God is upon his throne. Isaiah looks to the throne of God. He sees a prophecy of God's glory filling the earth. He is led to his knees. On his knees he repents, and in the light of God's holiness, he repents of his pride, he repents of his earthliness, he repents of his desire for materialism, he repents of his humanness, he repents of the sinfulness of his nature, he's before God, and you can only see yourself if you see God. In, as he is repenting of who he is, as he's asking God to cleanse his heart and cleanse his life, an angel comes 
and reveals to him the double work God wants to do in his life. The angel says, Isaiah, you are forgiven through the grace of Christ, but I want to do a much stronger work in your life than mere forgiveness. I want to transform your life. I want to purify your heart. I want to make you over again. In that context, Isaiah is a changed man. And then, in the light of that change, God asks Isaiah a question. And here is the question that God asks Isaiah. Because when we see God in the temple above and know he is on the throne, when the glory of God fills our life, when we see our uncleanness, when the righteousness of Christ forgives us, and when the blood of Christ pardons us, when the power of Christ changes us, Christ pardons us and changes us for a purpose. Notice Isaiah chapter 6. And we look there at Isaiah 6 and notice verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? God says, Isaiah, you've seen me on the throne. Isaiah, you've seen my glory. Isaiah, you have been cleansed by my blood. Isaiah, you've been changed by my power. Isaiah, this is too good to keep to yourself. Isaiah, who shall I send? Isaiah, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send John. Here am I, send Mary. Here am I, let the church do it. Isaiah says, here am I, send what? Me. Me. For everyone who sees Jesus on the throne, for everyone who sees the glory of God in the temple, for everyone that is redeemed by the grace of Christ, for everyone who is changed by the power of Christ, there is a mission. Amen. There is a mission. Amen. You may say, God, what is my mission? God, the church ought to be doing this. The church ought to be doing more in the community. Well, praise God, hallelujah. Who's the church? You are. You are. Let me tell you the story of Joy. Joy's father got Alzheimer's disease. She was really troubled about it and did everything she could for her dad. His memory continued to slip. After a while, he couldn't remember his grandchildren's names and he couldn't remember his own children's names. She could no longer care for him. He required 24-hour-a-day care constantly. He was totally unpredictable. She never knew what he was going to do. And she knew a very calm father. But the ravages of Alzheimer's caused him to be a very angry man. His brain wasn't functioning properly. So she had to give him 24-hour-a-day care. And she was really devastated about it, didn't want to do it, but finally put him in a facility. And when she went to visit him, things didn't go well. Although he adjusted to the facility well, things didn't go well. He became a very angry man, a very bitter man. Not because he was in the facility, but because he was just losing his mind. And he, he would argue with her and argue with her. And she took it personally, and it was a very great emotional toll upon her. And one day, she had come to church on a Sabbath morning, and she was talking to a friend. And as she was talking to this friend, she said, you know, I'm so, I'm angry at God. I'm really, really angry at God. Look at my father now. 
He is in this facility. He's pretty healthy, but he's just lost his mind totally. And I'm just angry at God about that. And they began to talk. And as they talked for a while, she expressed her frustration. And her friend said to her, you know, it would be great if the church had some kind of support group for people whose families are going through what you're going through and have the Alzheimer's. And Joyce Bookham said, yeah, it would. The church really needs to do that. And her friend looked her right in the eye and said, well, Joy, why don't you do it? And she said, me? I could never do that. She went home that night and began to think about it. And she said, you know what? There are other people in the church going through something like, just like me. Maybe God is putting a finger on my life. She started a support group she called Caregivers. It's been going for five years now. And it is an amazing support. Why? Because one woman said, God, here am I, send me. I was in the Philippines, walked off the platform one night of the Philippine International Convention Center. Elderly couple, 76 years old, the Bontalus came to me. I said, Pastor Mark, we've got a baptism in the prison tomorrow. Will you come and baptize? We've got 48 people to baptize, 24 are on death row. As I drove to the prison with them that day, I said, how long have you been working in prison ministry? They said, we started when we were in our 30s. We were working in prison ministry 40 years. They said, let me tell you how we started. We we're sitting in church one day, and the preacher talked about, here am I, send me. And we were back home. We said, you know what? We're pretty Laodicean, pretty complacent Adventists. We come to church. We try to pay our tithe. We try to be faithful to God. We try to live principles of health and so forth. But we're not doing anything. We're not doing anything. We have no ministry, no involvement. We just come and go. That's all. And um, they said, you know what? That Sabbath afternoon, God convicted them. There were two Adventist young men. Two Adventist young men that had been put in prison. And they said, okay, we're going to go to that prison and visit those Adventist young men. They did. They kept going week after week. Pretty soon there were 10. Then there were 15. Then there were 20. Then there were 60. In, at, in the first two years, they baptized about 20 people in that prison. Then they went to the prison warden. They built an Adventist church inside the prison. The Adventist church grew to 400 members wow. in the prison. Amen. In a period of about 40 years, they started their ministry in their authority. In a period of 40 years, there were 4,000 prisoners baptized in the Adventist church. Amen. Amen. Now, here was a lay couple thinking that they had no special talents, no special gifts, no special abilities. They were sitting in the pew, but they heard the call of God, here am I, send what? Me. Me. Is God speaking to you? There was a middle-aged man that was a motorcycler. He loved motorcycling. And one day, the Holy Spirit impressed him. What are you doing for other people that you ride with? He began a small prayer group and a Bible study group with his motorcycle team. There was a doctor in Orlando, Florida. Loved running. Some would say he's a running fanatic. They began a exercise ministry every Sunday morning until they had 40 or 50 people, Adventists bringing their friends, where they began to run, bicycle, walk, a big exercise fest on Sunday mornings. Why? Because a doctor heard the call of God to his heart. Here am I, send me. Four things about Isaiah 6. In times of uncertainty, God is on his throne. Amen. 
He's never caught by surprise. Secondly, his glory is going to fill the earth. You and I are on the winning side. Thirdly, in the light of God's glory, God cannot use us to go for him until we first come to him. Amen. Repentance precedes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yes. I am justified by his grace and sanctified by his power. His blood covers me and his spirit transforms me. God wants to do something in you that you haven't yet imagined. And lastly, God is saying to you today, here am I, send me. What is God saying to you? You've been listening to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. We hope you've enjoyed today's message and remind you that you can find more in our many ministry resources at hopelives365.com. And you can support this ministry by going to hopelives365.com slash donate. And now, a final thought from Pastor Mark. He's saying, who shall go for me? Who shall go for me? Is your response here by saying Would you like to pray a prayer, a very dangerous prayer? Here's the dangerous prayer. Lord, if you are leading me into some ministry, impress upon my heart what that ministry is, and I want to do it for you.